Welcome to NFT Tales, our podcast to talk about our adventures in NFT land and stories related to our NFTs. My name is Jeremy Craig, and I want to thank you very much for joining us today. We plan to do this on a weekly basis with myself and my co-host, Jonathan Smith, and eventually various guests in the NFT world. John, I'd like to pass the ball to you so you can introduce yourself. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks very much. Uh, as you said, my name is Jonathan Smith. I'm going to be your co-host on this episode and going forward in this podcast. Um, we're really looking forward to talking with you all about some NFTs. In today's episode, we're going to get into our personal stories of NFTs, how we got into them. We're going to talk about some of um, our favorite things about those uh, that world and the NFT uh, universe, so to speak, that builds us in. Um, I'm going to tell a story about one of my NFTs. That's part of the reason for the name of this podcast is that'll be a regular segment is some fan fiction content based around NFTs. And then finally, me and Jeremy are going to take on some current events and some big questions in the NFT world. You know, I'm pretty excited about this, Jeremy. So let's get into it. Uh, let's just start with you. How did you get into NFTs? I got into NFTs like a lot of the guys um, or people that I know of, um, top shot, but I really got into it basically because of you, I'd have to say. Um, you knew of my affliction at that time, which was NBA 2K. I had bought five or six iterations in a row, and they had added tokenomics and you know other features to the game that had really pulled me in and hooked me on um, getting each new iteration. So the completion challenges and you know, market currency coins and tokenomics with the game just were crazy. So uh, you knew of my affinity for basketball. I'm a huge Mavs fan. And you told me about NBA Top Shot and that it was, you know, affiliated with the NBA and, and both the NBA Players Association and the NBA signed off on it. And that really was basically training wheels for me. It was an introduction to the NFT market and crypto and blockchain. Um, but it, it got me on that and out of the NBA 2K um, world and got me, you know, into the NFT world. So I did that for about 90 days. Well, I'm, I'm still doing that to this day, but in the first 90 days, I really went all in, um, which as you know, is, is kind of my personality trait. So once I found something new, I, I jumped um, feet first and completed a couple different sets, um, really went after my Mavericks team challenge. And got really lucky in a couple pack draws. I, I've gotten two number one serials and a legendary Devin Booker um, out of the different pack draws that I've been a part of. So that's really what kind of springboarded me into whale status. Um, jackpot, yeah. Yeah, definite jackpot. It was, uh, I think, the the serial gods, you know. I, I was a lucky draw. But that allowed me to dabble and, and kind of bridge the gap there at early September into the NFT world. Um Obviously, Top Shot is NFTs, but um, I consider the NFT world OpenSea and, and the market there. So I got my MetaMask wallet, I got my OpenSea account, and you kind of walked me through all of that. And, and you know, I think my first NFT actually was a Penguin Fight Club that I got from my brother-in-law because I was waiting on the Crypto Dad presale mint, and I was just so excited and, and wanted to get a transaction under my belt that I, I got him a Penguin that I still own to this day. Um, and we actually, they're rolling out some fighting in the metaverse soon, but oh, we did those that. crypto dads. That was your big thing. Huh? I know that's what really pulled you in with those crypto dads. That's what, that's what you got me all hyped up about. So, 
Uh, that was the first time that I got introduced to community. Uh, even in Top Shot, I didn't really know anybody that was collecting cards. I had heard of a couple people um, like Dingaling and Alxo City that were, you know, big top tier collectors, people that I looked up to. But yeah, it, it was the first. I, I finally learned what Discord was. Um, and so I jumped in the Discord and, you know, in that NBA Top Shot Discord, I actually joined Team Hold. And Team Hold had some different threads that were talking about different NFTs and they were really pushing the dads. Um, you and I both being dads and, and me really on the boomer side, I, I related to um, their message and their culture when we got in there. Um, I know we're going to talk about community quite a few times as we go through this, but they had the right culture and community for me. I mean, they had a New Balance icon so that you could put the New Balance kicks up on all the comments and Discord. So, you know, that won me over. We both max minted three. Um and that that really springboarded my entire NFT collection. I, I was able to clear, you know, almost two and a half ether on those two, um, and that's really what gave me the liquidity to kind of dive in and, and start chasing you. I actually got a Mooncat because of you, but um, it's definitely the a new adventure that's the most exciting thing that I've been a part of lately. Um, my ADD has been fully encapsulated and. Uh, there's so many layers. This just keeps me involved. So, but I think talk I, about that excitement. I want to talk about that because you you came to me and you're like, Jonathan, I feel like I finally found my place in this world. That's why I was so excited to do this podcast with you. So, I mean, definitely tell people about that. I mean, I, that's one thing I've gotten from you know just being your friend is how much you've jumped in in the deep end here. You've jumped in head first into this NFT world. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I've been looking for something to to truly be passionate about. I I seem to master a concept and then start to get bored by it and look for another concept to master. So this was a little bit of everything and it, it truly is the most exciting space I've been in. The The culture and the community um, has really, and it just encapsulates everything that I like right now. So I, I haven't been on Facebook and I think going on five or six weeks and I used to be a, a Facebook junkie. So it to me, something that, you know, is enough to take my attention and keep me entertained uh, is absolutely amazing. So it, it is truly complex. It's fast changing, fast paced. The, the people in the crypto world, um, are not, you know, mutually exclusive. They, they understand that rising tide lifts all ships. And so we all can make it. That's why WGMI is my favorite, you know, token right now. And we'll get into that. But you, you always get the good mornings. You always get the good nights. Everybody calls you a friend. They spell friend different. Like it, it's almost a whole nother language and it, it's just exciting. Every part of it's exciting. The people are good. It's, it's the average Joe, you know, it's the everyday trader like you and I, you know, I gotta say, that's the thing that's the most appealing to me about NFTs is that community. And we always talk about it. Anyone that gets in NFTs talks about their discord group, their project community, but it's more than that. I mean, we're, we're talking about something that has millions of dollars on the line, a single mint, a single floor drop, you personally could lose thousands of dollars, which me or you are, you know, we don't have the kind of funds where that <laughs> isn't a significant amount of money. But it's not about the money. You get on there, and it's not people competing with each other. It's not people just trying to scam each other, you know. I heard once heard someone say that crypto is like multi-level marketing for men. I think that was a little bit rough, you know, and a little bit misogynistic there. But there's a little bit of truth to it, too, that so much of crypto is sold on this, like, we're all going to get rich and all that. And it's all about I'm going to make so much money, which always translates to someone else is going to carry my bag. I know that there's that element 
in, in NFTs, but there's also an element of your project's great. Your project's great. You know, we're all going to make it because we're all in this early. We're all really excited about it. Our passion has to translate into something real in the long run. And I, and that's what I love. That's what get, pulls me in. Um, I guess I got to tell my backstory now a little bit, huh, Jeremy? I've jumped in. Sorry, I cut you off. Uh, but no, that's so great. Again, um, so my backstory is I've been in crypto for a while. I actually bought my first Bitcoin for like 30 bucks. And then I sold it for like 120 because I thought I was a genius, huh? You know, <laughs> but that's how it goes. Um, I didn't believe in blockchain back then. I didn't believe in crypto back then. You know, that was before you could just get on an exchange and buy a Bitcoin. I think I bought my first one off eBay or something like that. And back then, people these would talk about how crypto would replace money and all this transactional talk and eventually just kind of got boring for me. But then Bitcoin, you know, it shot up, you know, and then the whole Mt. Gox thing happened and went up and down, went up and down. But there was never really a point where it shot below a couple hundred bucks. And going from 30 to a couple hundred, that was like a wake-up call for me. So that kind of pulled me around to the world. Maybe just look at it more as someone who's always been into technology. I started to see it from that standpoint as an emerging technology that maybe I wanted to be a part of. And then Ethereum hit, man. You know, that Ethereum white paper came out. Um, I wasn't part of the pre-sale, but I heard about it. I got into it like pretty soon right afterwards. And I just saw in a roadmap of potential towards a better future that, you know, I'm the ETH maxi. So I just got really excited about it. And in a way, also, I saw, you know, I missed the Bitcoin boat. I wasn't going to miss this boat. So I set up some mining rigs, even though I was in that little house at the time. <laughs> I think I made like basically a rat's nest in my attic because I had the whole thing so warm through the winter and all that. That was a pain to get cleaned out. But um, mm. I did do some mining. I, I did build up me a little bit of bag. And that little bag is what's got me rolling forward in the NFT world. And in particular, that made me all in on ETH. And then whenever NFTs popped up, I saw this utility for my ETH that wasn't just this transaction. I get so sick of crypto just being about like buying a pack of gum with a crypto or something like that. I really think the value has never been in replacing Visa or MasterCard. The value is in connecting people in ways that a Visa or MasterCard wouldn't allow for. And to own part of the digital world, to get into a space that was emerging and new, felt like getting into something at the ground floor. And that's mm -hmm. really got me excited about it, you know. And then you getting in was a big deal. I, I've been in the crypto space for a while. I kind of bounced around, you know, back and forth. But then you jumped up. You jumped in the top shots. You got in the crypt ads. You pulled me to the crypto dads, you know. And that ended up being a real good thing for me, too. So between the two, you know, it just seemed like a natural place to go. I've been buying off OpenSea a little longer than you. Um, at the beginning of the year in 2021, whenever that first big crypto punk sold in a way that made news, that kind of caught my attention to that market, what was going on there. So yep. I got into OpenSea. You know, I, I racked up my Mooncats then. I, I really liked that project. It's still considered like my base project. So I got really deep into Mooncats then. And then I've just kind of been, you know, trading and going back and forth in NFTs ever since. And slowly over time, I've built up this this mission around NFTs, you know, what part of the reason why we call this thing NFT Tales. One of the big things that we're going to do on this podcast is me telling my stories that I write and build around my NFTs. And that's something I'm really excited about. I'm really passionate about being able to have content and having a built-in audience and having something that I'm inspired to do, a creative process that I'm inspired to brought to. And I wouldn't be there without NFTs. And so that's something that I, I, I'm always going to point to people is that that community makes you feel like you can be more than you are. And I know you felt that. And I know I've felt that. And that's just kind of 
what that hook is that keeps bringing me back that makes us want to do this podcast. So I'm really excited to do this. Thank you all very much for listening. I think next up, uh, Jeremy, we need to talk a little bit about what's going on in MTs. I'm sure people can jump on here just to hear us ramble about ourselves. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in NFTs. Sounds good. Okay, first thing, Jeremy, let's talk a little bit, you know, whenever you're in any kind of crypto market, everyone wants to hear about the down and the up markets. Uh, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it might be an up market, it might be a down market. Let's just talk about that in general, the whole up and down. What do you, what do you, what opinions do you have on that? Obviously, it's a natural part of the market, and the, the sooner you learn it, the better it is going to be for you. I, you know, you tried to bring me to the market a lot earlier than I actually made it, so I, I did have to give you that credit, but it it's been... Higher highs and lower lows, faster cycles. You're used to a two to three week cycle and you have some time to watch it and really determine. And you can literally see something blow up in 15 minutes or an hour. I know, you know, today specifically, those 24 pixel cats sold 736 times in one hour, um, which was just absolutely phenomenal on number of sales that had not been there previously. Um, they had been low. And then, you know, obviously shot up with that increased sales. So it, it's it's interesting because it is a much smaller community-driven thing. And it seems to happen so quick, uh, which is part of the fun. You know, get in early and, and hopefully get out before um, it dips again. You know, you do see that where people, they're, they're, they jump in whenever it's hot. They bail out whenever it's cold, when really you should be doing the opposite. You should be selling when everyone wants to buy, and you should be buying when everyone wants to sell. Um, but it's hard to time that. And you know me, I don't like to play day trader. Every time I've tried to pretend like I have this ancient wisdom about timing markets and sales and all that, I always end up, you know, just basically throwing money down the drain. And so I'm not going to sit there and tell anyone, you know, when to sell, when to buy, what to sell, what to buy. But I will tell people that if you make decisions, and you believe in them and you're and you're invested in projects, you're invested in the people, the, the team behind the project, and for good reasons, then you could be sitting on something that will come back. I I, I was I had ETH from 2016. I saw it go from thirteen hundred to like a hundred bucks, you know? And we right. were sitting there at a hundred bucks. Was it ever gonna come back, Jeremy? I didn't know, but I I, I didn't panic. I, I lived through that. And from that I learned that things can come back in ways that you'll never understand. We're at all time high on ETH now, especially that 1300 now looks like a, a bargain, right? Oh, and extreme so bargain. you'd love to buy some right now. You go clean up <laughs> NFTs, you go clean out OpenSea if you can have a 1300 ETH right now. And so that just shows me that you got to have resiliency. And it's hard for a lot of people to do. I mean, the wild swings, if you're used to like a regular market or something like that, like a stock market, it, it's it's going to be too much for you. It's much more like sitting at a casino, but but you can't treat it like that. You you got to do your research. You got to put your heart into it because I think you'll end up in a much better place. And that's that's kind of like what my philosophy on it is. You know, one thing that we always talk about, Jeremy, that I kind of want to bring into this discussion is that. People want to know, people come to you, people come to me, you know, like, where can I make the money? You know, where's the obvious play? Where's the safe bet? 
And I, I know you try to give good advice and I try to give good advice, but at the end of the day, we don't know something magical that other people don't know. All we know is what we like, what we've invested in, what we're excited about. And I think in the long run, there's potential in the market, but so hard to sit there and try to call any individual thing. And it's hard to say, you know, here's the bottom and here's the peak and this is a pump and that's a dump. And so I think it's better just to take things at face value, to do your own research, to spend your own time and to get in the discord and engage with the community before you invest, because those are the people you're going to live with. And in the, the down market, those are the people that are going to end up being basically your family as y'all huddle together and get through those hard times. And I'll tell you, if you're in a discord that survives those hard times, then that's going to be the first project that's going to rocket back up when things come around. And we've seen that in these cycles, right? It's all about oh. the community. A hundred percent. Any community that can weather any, you know, adversity or, or go through a, a down market is is always poised to just to be there when it comes up. So that that's really kind of the litmus test in a down market. And I, I am kind of one of those weird guys that wants it to happen every once in a while just to kind of weed out. It's it's survival of the fittest. Some of those other ones that have talked about tokenomics and utility this and utility that 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 really don't have any utility or focus more on utility than the Arden community just don't make it. They die on the vine. Oh, we're definitely getting into that. Don't worry, people. One day we're going to have a whole episode that's just about what me and Jeremy like on NFTs and all the tokenomics <laughs> and all that. We'll definitely get into that. You know what? For now, let's actually talk about your favorite NFT, uh, the, the Mr. Top Shot Whale. So we had season one in Top Shots. We had season two. That's about whenever me and you got in, right? It doesn't transition from season one to season two. We got a mix of both. And then recently right. season three came out. And, you know, it's a much bigger release. It's kind of changing that Top Shot community. You take, take the floor. What do you think about it? what's going on with this new season? They finally put advertising in. We, you know, we're still in beta, um, but they were definitely in beta season one and two. But you've got guys that are, you know, putting clips of pack openings at games and they're showing the jumbotrons at games and the jumbotrons have Top Shot ads. So we're definitely seeing the proliferation into um, you know, the, the average market, the common person getting aware of it. And I think that's really what Top Shot's biggest um, detraction was in the first two years is just the number of people that knew about it. So, you know, much credit to them. They understood that a larger incoming base was going to need easier access to their favorite player's card. So Series 3 actually jumped up to a 60,000 print count. Um, yeah, 60,000 that those, those 50,000 serial numbers don't, don't quite look as pretty as some of those, you know, 12 and 15,000 that we had in the first two seasons, but much to their defense that they've been very public and clear about it and said that, you know, series three is, is meant to get to the masses. They want to be able to get to every collector. They want to be able to, um, you know, basically infect the public with that passion for top shot that, that us collectors already have and expo exposure if they can get more people exposed to their product that they, they assume the adoption rate's going to increase and they're they're right um I although mean, we it both is wait in line right we both try to get a pack and seize I, I i was skeptical you know i've had a couple good pulls you've had a couple good pulls we did good in the last series but we both try to get a series three neither of us got a pack this time around right so there was more people waiting to get into it despite it being sixty thousand then that we're sitting there that really shows a lot of market momentum still in top shot i mean just the fact that, that queue exists shows that gives you confidence in that market and shows you that there's still a future in that direction right exactly we're not talking about you know an nft that takes seven days to to mint out and you're worried if they're ever going to actually mint the project it, the demand is is extremely high um you know they they tested that with the first series three drop by allowing up to 10 pack transactions at a time 
um, which I think they figured out was too many, and there were too many people left in the queue. That's the one we didn't get any packs on. Um, Q2, they actually, I think, limited that to five packs, and that was a a much better play. Uh, More people that were in line and in the queue actually got to open packs. Um, there's definitely something about the reveal of an NFT, right? It, you can go buy some of these moments. We've talked about negative EV and positive EV packs, and, and you could probably go buy a lot of the packs that you get, but that feeling when you do get a low serial number or when you do hit your favorite player makes, you know, the, the thrill of opening it is almost like Christmas all over again every time. You know, I have to admit, though, the most exciting thing that's happened in that whole world recently has been the ballers. I mean, I'm so excited oh, about yeah. the baller. That's easily out of the entities I've gotten recently. It's probably the one I'm most excited about because I can just see the direct utility of it being the face for my Top Shot account. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think ballers is a new direction? Is it just a bolt-on? What, what, what's your opinion on the baller? I feel like ballers is going to be their attempt at, you know, an increase in utility. It's definitely the PFP that they've been looking for. There, there were no PFPs for Top Shot. You had a couple guys that were making some graphics and, and giving you an overlay. But, you know, right now people like to flex their NFTs and the easiest flex is to change your avatar or your PFP. And, and you couldn't do that with anything NBA related or Top Shot related. So I feel like it's a fantastic move. These ballers are hot. I've gotten more Twitter followers and, you know, interactions by posting my ballers photos um there's lists of ballers like i they've got more passion i think right now than just about any other community i've been a part of well one thing i really like about it is that so they're trying to bridge to that common person to that mass market i feel like ballers is the bridge backwards to the open sea world to the the bigger nft community you know it's very obviously punk related it's very obviously in the artistic style of a lot of these uh, uh, you know, uh, low like eight bit NFTs that I cl- love collecting. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think that there's a lot there for them showing their sophistication. The marketplace they are going, Hey, look, no, we're still in this NFT world just because we are like in the NBA game. And by far, let's be both be honest. I mean, top shots is the most publicly visible single NFT project. It's probably the entry point. If someone asked me or you, if they, how they get in NFTs, I probably would still point to top shots as a place to get in. Right. And so it's a very accessible place. Right. But with the ballers, then it's kind of going back and it's kind of reaching back into that, that history, that community that's built up around NFTs that isn't in the top shot world. And I got to give them respect for that. I'm really excited about where that goes. So let's talk about another NFT world that's being popped up. So there's a lot of talk recently about Coinbase and them rolling out their own NFT marketplace. Are you excited, Jared? Did you sign up? Oh, you know I did. First time I saw it come across Twitter, I was signing up. I think I made it before they were in the millions, so I was a six-digit signee. You know, I, I personally didn't jump on. Uh, but I'm excited to see what comes out of that. You know, we both know that Coinbase is where a lot of the wallets are. It's where a lot of people, you talk about that mass market. That's where a lot of people have gotten into crypto and gotten that on-ramp into crypto is their Coinbase wallet. And the first time they transferred something over, you know, first place the KYC them was Coinbase, right? So I feel like this is a way to get the regular people, you know, in our lives and get them in NFTs without having to show them how to get into Coinbase and then go get a wallet and then go go to OpenSea, right? Like they can just sit there in their Coinbase world and they'll just be able to buy the same NFTs, hopefully that me and you have. I'm a little bit nervous. You know, Coinbase has a heavy hand about things. I can see mm-hmm. them moving towards curation. 
I could see them picking favorites. I could see a less sophisticated market and people taking advantage of that initially. Like me and you, if, if something's on the front page of OpenSea, I'm sorry, that just became a project I'm not looking at, right? Like that. Yeah, we, that, the I, boat I, sailed. Yeah, the boat sailed. If it's well, and also there was that whole scandal about the guy and how he was making profits off of what was on the front page and all that. Like the front page is usually not where the action is. You have to go to the activity rankings, all that to have fun on OpenSea. But mm-hmm. we both know that whatever NFTs are going to put on the first thing of Coinbase, people are going to go oh, Coinbase said so. I'm going to buy it, right? So there's a little bit there where I am nervous about where the market's going to crash against those waves. But who doesn't like all that money coming into the market and who doesn't like all that enthusiasm coming to market? I think it'll do a lot for the artists and the community and the people that right now. That you know, in a down market, maybe are struggling to to get their NFTs minted. I think that will give some uh, another place to outlook. And we both think OpenSea needs a competitor, right? I mean, you go on that all the time about how OpenSea doesn't need to take a shot at them, right? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, even just from the most simplistic business perspective, right? When you've got a monopoly and you're not being challenged with competition, you're you're not going to be the the best. So the end consumer is going to benefit from this in the long run for sure. The the more platforms we have, the more opportunities and and viable alternatives, the the more they're actually going to compete for our business. But I think we both agree that, you know, the biggest thing for Coinbase is that it it's almost like the Amazon of the crypto world for us. It, it's that one-click swipe and purchase where, you know, there there's just less thinking. They have done the K PC or KYC through Coinbase. So it's just easier for them to do. It's it's the mass adoption that we've been waiting for, basically. What I've been telling people is, is that, you know, early on, whenever eBay came out, it was this huge success. What people try to do at first, other companies try to do is they try to copy eBay. There was Yahoo auctions. There was buy.com There was all these eBay knockoffs, but nothing ever survived. There's only one auction place. You need that critical mass market. You need people to go to a place to, to, to be able to make an auction site work. So mm-hmm. only really eBay had the space in that market. But right now, if I want, quote unquote, a cheap thing, where do you go? You go to eBay. You, As you said, you go look on Amazon, see what sellers are there. You know, may, maybe you go and you look on Craigslist and see what the local thing is. And so nothing ever competed with eBay directly. But in that same space of either used goods or cheap goods, all these other competitors have popped up. And I can definitely see OpenSea going into like the eBay role, almost like this legacy role for people that are willing to kind of get their hands in more, willing to maybe deal with broken merchandise, so to speak, while the Coinbase will be more the Amazon role where there's this heavy hand and there's a lot of fees and there's only a limited selection. But whatever's on there and has prime shipping or whatever, your Coinbase will support and it'll go straight in your wallet and they'll build the tools to make it so it's easy to display. I still wish, I mean, I'd give almost anything for a good open C reader I could stick on a tablet or something. I mean, you've gone back and forth in NFT apps, and there hasn't been one that's really knocked my socks off. If anyone knows of one, of a great way to show your NFTs on a phone, let us know. We're always going back and forth. But that's where I can see this Coinbase momentum coming in, because once these people are buying these NFTs for all this money, they're going to want to display it. They're going to want to bring it back to the real world. And that's where some of those connections are going to get made that aren't being made right now when it's just the open sea market, when it's just the minting market and, and rareable and, and these more kind of niche marketplaces, right? So I'm excited for them to get in. We'll see what comes out of it. Um, I was excited that Mooncats was part of the marketing. You know me and the Mooncats. I'm sorry, people. Y'all going to hear a lot about Mooncats. It's, uh, anytime Jeremy comes up and he's like, did you hear about how blankety blank projects doing blank? I was like, oh yeah, Mooncats did like, like a month ago or whatever. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, we're not here to shill any of our individual projects, but as far as a project that'll like expose you to a lot of stuff 
stuff going on in NFTs, you know, that's like my favorite one. It's always the one I'm going back to. So um, let's actually, talking about my NFTs, let's go ahead and get into part of the reason we did this podcast, which is one of my stories about my NFT. So y'all sit in, y'all settle down, get your warm blanket, your cocoa and all that. Uh, Jonathan here is going to tell you a story. So let's go ahead and get into it, Jeremy. And oh, yeah, I've been waiting. My NFT tale. Yeah, I know you've been waiting, so let's do it. Here is my NFT tale. Ooh. Once upon a time, there was a magical kingdom inhabited by unicorns who could talk and sing and love just like you and me. These unicorns lived in a land full of magic, and they could pull energy from the air around them to cast spells with the proper training. These air unicorns mostly lived in peace and harmony with each other, but one day an evil zombie prince named Zanjor began attacking the individual villages of unicorns with a zombie army in a march across the countryside. As word of this march spread across the land, a master air ninja unicorn named Credu left his home to try and find Siphon, the oldest air mage unicorn, in hopes that he would have a way to battle the evil zombie prince unicorn with the seemingly invincible zombie army. Along the perilous journey to the highest mountain where the ancient mage lived, the master ninja Credu met a peer of elite air unicorns, the most feared air Robin Hoods. Gondo of the air Robin Hood clan was the world's greatest master of the bow, and the other one, his young apprentice Truden, well, he was just happy to come along. Master Credo agreed for the three to work together, as he too was seeking a way to stop Xandor. The team worked their way to the ancient mage's home, atop the highest mountain, only to hear Siphon lament that he couldn't help them, as the power necessary to defeat the zombie prince did not exist within their time. I know a spell, and I have the needed rare hat to create a portal to the future, where the power required to defeat the zombie prince exists. But alas, I'm too weak to cast it in my old age, Siphon sighed. I've guarded this rare air wizard cap for ages, and it, and only it grants the power to cast a spell, but it can only be wielded by a mage that can harness that power, and such unicorns are rare. Therefore, to defeat the zombie prince the elite air team decided to try to find the most talented young mage in the land. They would then bestow this rare wizard hat on that mage in the hopes that, well, they could summon the spell. The team of the Master Ninja, the two air Robin Hoods, and the ancient air mage decided to journey to the Air Unicorn School of Magic where all the young air mages are trained that just so happened to reside in Master Credu's hometown. When they arrived at the school, they were delighted to find that a tournament among the most talented students was to be held the very next month. The team agreed to be judges for the tournament, and the school was honored to have the most prestigious team of judges it had ever seen in its noble history. The students prepared extra hard for the tournament for this reason, and eventually the day came when they can prove themselves to the famous air team. The elite air team sat silent all day without emotion as they watched the students spar within the rules of the tournament. After a grueling set of duels, a particular young unicorn named Lacey stood above all the others and won the competition. She is the one, said Siphon, and the young unicorn wizard 
was given the red hat to hopefully unlock her power. Lacey then trained under the tutelage of the ancient air mage from the mountaintop to learn the spell that had the power to save them all. During that time, Credo hosted the entire group at his home, and they had many good nights telling stories and many good days sparring with each other in an attempt to get ready for the eventual battle with the zombie prince. What is yours is mine, said the master ninja to the four other unicorns. At first, Lacey really enjoyed getting to know the rest of the elite air team. But time was running out as the zombie army approached, the ninja's hometown, and yet the young wizard had still not succeeded in summoning the spell. One morning, the two air Robin Hoods, Grondo and Truden, and the Master Credu decided to go ahead and try to find a way to hold off the zombie army away from the town since the young wizard needed more time. You are our only hope, but we trust you, they said to her, and then they rushed towards the battlefield that was a day's journey from the town to give Lacey and Siphon one last chance to cast a spell. Desperate to save her newfound friends, the young unicorn finally perfectly executed the spell that night and created a portal in time in front of the ancient air mage who was delighted by the sight. You did it, he said. Yet to their surprise, through this portal came a mean-looking young punk unicorn whose friends dared him to jump in when the portal appeared in a futuristic bar and a night out around the town. When the portal snapped shut behind him, the punk unicorn from the future demanded the young air mage wizard open it up, or else. Siphon began to explain to Punk the reason for the portal, and begged for his help before the portal was opened again. Never went a duck out of a fight, the punk unicorn from the future went along to the battlefield with the ancient air mage and the young wizard with the red hat. There they found their friends fighting for their lives against the evil zombie prince himself. The future punk pulled out his flame thrower and yelled to the other unicorns, Close your eyes! Before he pulled out his own sunglasses and unleashed a scorching fire that eviscerated the evil zombie prince in a single shot. Immediately the zombie army turned into dust and the heroes rejoiced. We won, they all shouted, and after much celebration, the young wizard casted the spell to allow the punk to go home, and they all said goodbye to their hero from the future. Now what will we do? asked the master ninja Credu to the other four air unicorns. I'll tell you what we do, said Siphon. We stick together to ensure evil is completely purged from the land. I haven't had a decent quest in years and I'm ready for another. The end. For now, this story is based on NFTs from the Uninterested Unicorns NFT project, personally owned by Jonathan Smith, um, a supporter of the project. To learn more about this project, please go to uuunicorns.io. And thank you all very much for listening.
Okay, Jeremy, how was that? You like that story? I think that was awesome. Yeah, I was really excited about that one. We'll definitely have some more for people as we're doing the show. I think that's something that I can't wait to come back to. It's part of the reason we're calling this NFT Tales. Also, just so you all know, the plan is is that we're going to have stories on the podcast. And I'm also going to put the stories on our podcast website. So that way, if you want to read the stories or you just want to listen to them, you'll have options to get into that content. Um, Thank you all very much for listening. I'm really excited to finally get some of my creative output out in the world. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today, Jeremy. Uh, 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 Where where do you want to end us with? You know, uh, I'm going to end this with probably another crypto Twitter acronym. Uh, I learned a whole nother language throughout this entire thing. But I think the the message for us today is we're going to make it. We're early enough that, you know, WGMI. So I want to tell everybody that that's to keep the head up and we're all going to make it. And what I want to tell is that some of y'all might be jumping on this today and we've been deep in the weeds. You're like, what are NFTs? You know, who? what are these people talking about? Um, as we move forward in the podcast, that's part of the plan. We're going to talk about not just our stories, not just my fan fiction about NFTs, but also advice for people, questions. So engage with us on Twitter. Um, you can find me at PoofyHairGuy on Twitter.com. What's your Twitter handle? JerkDake. So go follow him. He, he has way more followers than me. So go jump on his. He's way more active. But get on there and bug us and ask us questions. And we'll be happy to bring that in. We would love to, to speak to the community around NFTs related to this podcast. But for now, I just want to thank you all for very much for jumping on and listening to us. Uh, we really appreciate your time and that you'd want to, to, to get into content specifically about NFTs. Um, if you are someone who's a big NFT fan, then you found your people. We're excited to do this. We're going to keep doing it. And if you're someone who's looking to get into NFTs, you're seeing this madness around NFTs and you're trying to figure out what's going on, just keep listening. You're going to hear the energy. You're going to hear the excitement. You're going to hear the kind of things that make us keep coming back. You know, I, just like you, Jeremy, I, I've done the, the altcoin flipping. You know how whenever you started getting into a little bit, I was kind of skeptical because I've been doing it for a while. And I sit there and I look at my MetaMask. I just have millions of worthless coins, at least with the NFTs. At the end of the day, you have something, right? And that's exactly. something we're going we're gonna to keep bringing back. We're going to keep talking about. So um, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you all very much for jumping on and we'll see you all next time. Definitely. Thank you all so much. Bye now. 